Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 16. The entire psalm. I ask that you would follow along and let God's word penetrate. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here ends the reading of God's most holy and all-sufficient word. Well, thank you, Tim. I want to invite you uh, now to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Our sermon text today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. We have an opportunity together today to learn from this beatitude. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, many years ago, I was teaching a group of teenagers, and I told them that somewhere in the room was hidden a real, genuine $100 bill. And I told them that if they found it, it was theirs to keep. Well, you can guess what happened. Um, I had one motivated group of people on my hands, and they searched diligently until, until the time was up. And when, thankfully, they didn't find it because I didn't have $100 to spare, but I would have given it to them if they found it. But when we came back together, I asked them the question, if you wanted to do what was right in God's eyes as much as you wanted that $100 bill, how would your life be different today? Uh, Jesus teaches us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I think compared to many parts of the world today, not many of us here in America have really gone without food. I know some have, maybe some of you here this morning, but personally, I have not known hunger and thirst, really. The closest that I came to really experiencing hunger was a week-long trek in the wilderness where all of the food that we had was in these little uh, bags that were 
uh, dried up food that we would add water to and it was supposed to nourish our, our bodies. But by the end of the week, it was just skimpy eating all week long. And by the end of the week, even the worst fast food just sounded like a ribeye steak to me. Um, so that's, that's the closest I have ever come to really being hungry. Um, I wasn't starving, but I was hungry for food. Uh, G- Jesus taught us to crave righteousness as much as we would if we went without food or water for a whole week or more. But what is righteousness? Let me offer this definition in this context. I believe righteousness is a pattern of life in conformity to God's revealed will. Um, It's not man-made rules. It's not the will of God. It's what God says is right and good. It's what pleases the Lord. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we want what God wants for our lives more than anything else. Now, I think it's helpful for us to realize that if we are a Christian, we are, in fact, justified before God by faith. Uh, We are counted righteous by faith. That is, the righteousness of Jesus uh, is imputed to us by faith. Um, The righteousness of Jesus is, in fact, the very basis on which we are accepted by God. So God looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Christ. He accepts us based upon the righteousness of Jesus. That's our position before God by faith. But in our experience, our everyday normal life experience, we know how far short we fall from being righteous. None of us are what God wants us to be perfectly in our experience. And that's why we must grow in our sanctification. That's why we must grow in Christ-likeness as a Christian. Uh, We call it progressive sanctification. So Jesus teaches us here in verse 6 of Matthew 5 that the norm of the kingdom is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So this passage isn't just for fanatics or for those that we might, uh, some people call Jesus freaks. This kind of zeal and passion for conforming to the will of God is for every single believer. It's for the blessed one. If you are a blessed one, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift, making God your source of joy and contentment in life. So being blessed by God is not something that you earn or achieve. God gives blessedness as a gift. He shows favor to people who have no right to it whatsoever. It's simply an expression of God's grace, which is always a surprise. So hungering and thirsting for righteousness is an undeserved gift from God. If If you are a Christian, you should expect to have this hunger and thirst. Um, We we might take it for granted, like we take for granted having a physical appetite. 
But a follower of Jesus should be hungry for righteousness. When a person loses their appetite for food, uh, when that happens, you know that person probably is not feeling very well. And if you have no appetite for food, it can be a very serious health problem. Uh, the last uh, couple of weeks of my dad's life here on this earth did not include much of an appetite. In fact, the last week before his death, he had no food or, or no water. His appetite was gone. Uh, we know that infants who don't want to eat will die. It's a, it's a serious problem when you have no appetite. So having a good appetite is part of being alive physically, and that appetite drives you to find the nourishment that you need to sustain your physical life. So too, when we are brought to life by the Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gives you a spiritual appetite. God gives you a desire for Him and a desire for His Word. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah, when speaking of the new covenant to come, said this about what God would do. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. Now, in the Mosaic Covenant, the law was external. It was written on stones. Um, but in the New Covenant that's established with the shed blood of Jesus, the law is internalized. In other words, when God puts his law on your heart, uh, he is giving you a desire for him. And if you have a desire for God, we will have a desire to do his will. Um, that's a gift from God. Uh, you, you have this if you're born again, and then you grow in this as you grow as a Christian. But don't miss what Jesus is given to the Blessed One. Right, righteousness or conformity to the, to the will of God will be more important to you than the air that you breathe and the food that you drink. Uh, when Jesus was tempted by the evil one in the wilderness, um, after going 40 days without food, he was hungry, and Satan tempted him to abuse his power and make the stones turn into bread. But Jesus responded by saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, so think about that just for a moment. If instant gratification was important to Jesus, he would have turned the stones into bread. I mean, he was hungry. Forty days without food. He was hungry. He, he had fasted 40 days. And humanly speaking, just from a human perspective, people would understand his hunger. He, he, should, uh, he should not have gone. I, I mean... Humanly speaking, the argument would be he shouldn't have gone that long without food. So there would be this understanding that he, he needs to eat. But if meeting his own needs were more important than conforming to God's will, he would have failed in the wilderness. And if he had failed in the wilderness, he would not have been the spotless Lamb of God to die for our sins. 
But Jesus revealed that conforming to God's will was far more important to him than instant gratification. Uh, far, far more important than curbing his hunger pain. Uh, Jesus is the Redeemer because he hungered and thirsted for righteousness more than anything else. Uh, Hebrews 1.9 says he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Um, I, I love the testimony of the Apostle Paul as well in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Um, as you know, Paul suffered a great deal. And there were times that he had plenty and there were times that he was hungry. Um, at times he had abundance, but other times Paul had great need. But he learned to be content even when his physical needs were not met. So why was he content? It's because conforming to God's will and doing God's will was more important to him than having food in his belly. So we are, as we walk through the, the Beatitudes, we know we are poor in spirit because we recognize that we're not righteous. Uh, we, we weep, we mourn over our sin because we are not righteous. We are humble and meek before God because we recognize His worth far exceeds our own. We serve others in meekness because like Jesus, we want to put the needs of others ahead of our own. And because God has chosen to pour out His favor on our lives, He has blessed us. And in that blessing, we are learning to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We seek righteousness as if our life depended on it. That, that means we're teachable. We, we don't know it all. Our minds and our hearts are open to what God, God teaches us from His Word. We're not afraid to be corrected by the Word. We want to learn from Jesus. We want to do what Jesus commands us to do. We, we want to conform to His will for our lives. That's the norm for the Christian. That is what the Spirit of God is actively at work to produce in our lives. But sometimes that's not reality for us, is it? Sometimes that's not what we experience as a follower of Jesus. Sometimes we don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. Sometimes we don't have an appetite for God's Word. Sometimes we're bored with God. Sometimes we want our own way more than we want God's way. Uh, so, sometimes we, we desire more to please self than, than God. And sometimes our love for God is, in fact, lukewarm. And if or when this happens for you, how should you respond? Well, first of all, you should recognize something's terribly wrong. Something's terribly wrong. This is not a good state for a Christian to be in. I want you to see from this text this morning that it is normal and right for a Christian to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You should care more about conforming to God's will for your life, for His glory, than anything else. 
And if that's not the case for you, then something is out of place. Something's wrong. It's, it, it, could, it could be many different things. It could be a lack of discipline, laziness. It could be that you're overwhelmed with anxieties, the cares and worries and riches of this world may be ruling your heart. You, you may have an idolatrous desire that is controlling your life. It could be a, a hidden or unconfessed sin in your heart. But whatever it is, I would say, but whatever it is, cry out to Jesus for help. He is our refuge and strength. We need Him more than anything else. If you need to confess sin and repent, do so without delay. But then, as Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the king and his righteousness and all of the things that we really need in life will be added unto us. You remember the parable of the four soils, the parable of the sower, um, you remember as the, the, the seed or the Word of God is scattered on the ground, some seed fell on hearts that were hard um, and, and never believed. Other seed fell on hearts that appeared to believe for a while, but when the time of testing comes or when the cares and riches and pleasures of life come, their, their, their life gets choked out. Uh, still, others heard the Word and keeping the word, even when tested, would bear much fruit. Uh, Jesus says it is the one with a good heart that will bear much fruit. So where does a good heart come from? Well, I would argue that it is really a gift from God. And so I would say two things. Cry out to God to purify your heart and... Be obedient to do what Jesus calls you to do. It's both of those things. God must work, but you must work too. God alone elects and calls sinners to Himself. God alone brings us from spiritual death to spiritual life. God alone justifies by faith. God alone sets us apart to be followers of Jesus. But when it comes to progressive sanctification, God gives you His energy so that you can work hard to grow and change. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for... It is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So work out your salvation. And you can do that because it's God who is at work in you. Our, our armor verse for last, last month, 1 Timothy 4.7, commands us to train yourself for godliness. It's like be an athlete. Um, it's, it's one who goes to the gym and sweats and works. So train yourself for godliness, developing godly character for the praise of God's glory. Second uh, Peter 1, 3-7, which we read this morning in Sunday school, says this, 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and good glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption it is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort. That's, that's the work on our part. For this reason, because of everything that God has given to us, He's given us all that we need for life and godliness. And because of that, it says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So when... When it comes to our progressive sanctification, God is responsible, and you are responsible if you are a believer. If you're one that's justified by faith, you are responsible. God gives us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, and we have the responsibility to nurture that hunger and thirst for knowing God's will and doing God's will for His glory. But an important question is this, how do we know what God's will is for our lives? Well, some, some in answering that question might argue, well, I, I just kind of do what I think is right. I, I rely upon a gut feeling, a hunch, some subjective experience, even maybe an open door. Uh, must be God's will. Some, some rely upon man-made ideas or, or, and philosophies that make sense of life. And they would argue, we, we really need to go to the quote-unquote professionals to really understand who we are and to sort through all of the brokenness in our lives and in the world today. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So don't be transformed, but have your minds renewed, and then you will know what is good and perfect and pleasing before God. So how, how, is our, how are our minds renewed? Um, I would argue that we must listen to Jesus and to his teaching. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the mountain when he was transfigured before their very eyes. And in Matthew 17, 2, says this, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as snow. Uh, Moses and Elijah appeared and were talking with Jesus. And then a voice from the cloud overshadowed them, uh, or the bright cloud was overshadowed them, and a voice from that cloud said this, 
This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When Jesus commissioned the disciples and the church to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Colossians 2, verse 6 through 8 says it like this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Take, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the word, world and not according to Christ. So if we're going to be conformed to God's will for our lives, then we, we must orient our entire life around Jesus Christ. This, this is how our, our minds will be renewed. This is how we can know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, and let me offer two vital things that must be of utmost importance to you if you're going to have minds renewed so that you can understand and do the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. First, you, you must value the, the Word of God. Um, th that is, you, you must pour over Scripture as if you were looking for silver and gold. Um, all of Scripture points to Jesus. And if we hunger for righteousness, we will hunger for Scripture. Uh, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is, on, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. Day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So that, that meditating day and night on the law of the Lord. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, do, do you want to be equipped for life? Do you, do you want to have all that God intends for you to have so that you are ready to live the life that God has called you to live? And if that's your desire, then you must interact with Scripture in a way that you learn sound doctrine um, so that your wrong beliefs will be corrected, so your wayward behavior will be brought into alignment with God's will. And you must be trained like an athlete in righteousness. Uh, you, you must listen to Scripture. You must interact with Scripture. You must respond to Scripture in repentance and faith, and that will make you complete and 
equip you for every good work. That, that's where you will be prepared for the life that God has called you to when you are interacting with Scripture in right ways. Um, l- listen to some of some, some verses from Psalm 119. You know Psalm 119 is a great psalm that just focuses upon the centrality of the Word, particularly in the life of suffering, all of life, but even when we're going through hard times, um, Psalm 119 just in many different ways talks about how important the Word is to our life. Uh, verse 10 of Psalm 119, With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Uh, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I would say to you this morning, young and old alike, make the Bible your treasure. Read your Bibles. Meditate on Scripture. Chew, chew on Scripture, learn from it, obey it, be changed by it. I would say, secondly, this morning, you must also, if, if you're going to be able to have your minds renewed, if you're going to be able to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, you must value the local church. The, the, the local church is like a greenhouse where people grow so that they will produce a harvest of righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you you will make time to participate in Bible studies. You will make time for Sunday school. You will make time for Wednesday nights. You won't want to miss the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Not, Not because the teacher is some charismatic person, but because you know that your soul will wither and die without the nourishment of the Word. Value church because the Bible is taught formally. Uh, you, You can't know God's will for your life, and you won't develop a desire to conform to God's will for your life without learning to be attentive to the teaching of the Bible that happens in many formal settings in church activity. This is, this is what's true for both young and old. But the teaching of the Bible also happens in many informal settings. Um, it's a great thing about church, not just the building, but the people. Uh, whenever we gather together, be it two or three or a hundred, relationships are developed and ministry takes place. We grow in righteousness when we talk with one another about the Bible in normal, personal conversations. When we share what we are learning uh, from the Bible with a friend, others learn. When we look for answers and when we look for help in the Bible together, we, we learn. Being together in that way is so important. 
Let, listen to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Pay attention to how important it is for each one of us to be a part of this interacting with one another. Verse 11, Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speaking the truth in love. When we're together, the body has to be together. We have to live in relationships with one another. And when we live in relationships with one another, we're ministering, we're learning, we're, we're teaching, we're sharing, and together we learn. This text says every person has a part to play. And when each of us plays our part within the body, there's one body, many parts, and when each part does its work, that's when we grow. You, you will never grow, you will never mature as God intends you to, to, to grow and mature apart from the body, uh, when you isolate yourself from the body. So Some people say, well, I really don't need a local church. I have a personal relationship with God. Um, let me gently say this, if you are poor in spirit, if you mourn over your sin, if you're meek, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will not want to miss what God is doing in his church. Value God's word, value the local church. And in this way, you will be able to know God's will for your life. And you'll be able to develop a pattern of conformity to the will of God for your life. You will benefit, others will benefit, and God will be glorified. This hunger and thirst for righteousness <clears throat> is a gift from God. Um, you, you have this if you're a born-again believer. But you also have to, as a born-again believer, have to fight to nurture this hunger and thirst for righteousness. And one of the things that will help you is to remember the final part of this fourth beatitude. It says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. <laughs> I love that. They will be satisfied. Doing God's will will satisfy. You'll never be disappointed if you listen to God and obey God with all of your heart, um, as the song says, trust and obey, for there is no better way. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled with righteousness. Um, we, we know sin is always deceitful. Sin always promises one thing, delivers something else. Sin always looks so good, but it 
in the end will always destroy. Um, if you read through Proverbs chapter 5 and 6, you'll find there that sexual sin, such as prostitution, adultery, pornography, and so forth, look so enticing. But if you take that road, Proverbs 5 and 6 says, it will always lead to death. It looks so good, but it is a road that leads to death. Uh, drunkenness, um, substance abuse is another example. In Proverbs 23, 29 through 32, it says this, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Sin always entices, always looks good, but will always produce death. So let me ask you this morning as we, as we close up our time, what are you pursuing in life? What's driving you in life? Uh, many, many people spend their lives pursuing lots of things, including material gain, dreaming of more money, dreaming of financial freedom. But Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do, do you want to be genuinely and fully satisfied in life? Do, do you want what will bring the greatest pleasure and happiness and fulfillment in life? Then hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, hunger and thirst for knowing and doing God's will more than anything else. As a born-again believer, one that's been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus, has set you apart so that you hunger and thirst for righteousness. As Tim read earlier, Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness this morning? Let's pray together. Father, what an amazing thing it is that 
you have done a great work through your son to redeem us and to bring us into a right relationship with you. And that's a gift from you. What a great thing it is for you to give us a new heart and a new desire. And that new heart you teach us craves after righteousness where we desire to do your will for your glory more than anything else. Father, we confess that there are often many things that um, distract us, that can lead us astray. And we just cry out to you, one, for forgiveness from those times when we have grown lukewarm towards you, where at times we can even be bored with you. We don't hunger for you and your word. We set our hearts on many other things. Forgive us for those times. And we do ask that you would purify our hearts and help us, enable us by your spirit to just nurture a hunger and thirst for you and your will as you reveal to us through your word and through your son, Jesus. Help us to be a people that encourage one another um, help one another, teach one another, exhort one another, so that we can be a people in an ever-increasing way that are growing and maturing and becoming what you want us to be, what you've saved us to be. Help us, Father, to not be content by just going through the motions. Give us a passion, give us a strong desire, a thirst, and a hunger for you and for your will for our lives. Father, you're, you're worthy of this, and through this, we know that you will be glorified, and so help us to find satisfaction in you uh, by hungering and thirsting for righteousness more than anything else. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.